Hey everybody, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Gwinnett Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, we would love it if you would take just a moment to download the Gwinnett Church app where you can have access to all of our recent message content as well as find out about what's going on around here at Gwinnett Church. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. Most importantly, however, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Now, do I have any coffee lovers in here? Any coffee? Oh man, a bunch. Yeah, okay. More. I keep getting claps. What's going on? All right, coffee lovers. This is awesome. Okay, I love me some coffee. Listen, I love waking up and getting that warm cup, right? It feels like a warm blanket around me. And when I pour it down my throat, it's like a hug for my soul. Like I just love coffee. I love it at night when my wife and I, Annie, are just sitting and watching Netflix. You know when I really love coffee? It's that post-lunch funk. You know what I'm talking about? That two o'clock, and you're like, oh, I gotta step into that meeting. <sighs> okay, I'm ready, let's go. And I, that's why I love coffee. I love it so much. My kids are like, hey, dad, you know if you stop spending so much money on this coffee addiction you have, you could buy us some Air Force Ones or the new Xbox. And me being a good dad, you know what I said? Nope, I love my coffee, and I'm gonna keep doing it. Don't judge me, all right? I love my coffee, and I'm gonna keep drinking it because that's just how I am. I love going to coffee shops too, because I just go there, sit, I prepare talks like this. Uh, I get to just really relax and it keeps me focused and get some work done. But here's something that inevitably happens to me every time I go to a coffee shop. You know how they take your coffee mug, sometimes they write your name, now they do a sticker. They never spell my name right. So I've got to now make sure I spell my name for them. See, my name is Rahul, not Rahul like Habakkuk. Okay, it's Rahul, simple H. Uh, and whenever I, I used to not say correctly and used to not spell it for coffee shops and I would get random spellings. I would get everything from Ralu, R-A-L-O-O, to Roll, R-A-H-A-U-L. Not sure how that would happen. One time I got Roll, R-O-L-L. Another time I got Tim. Don't ask, that's a story for another, I know, that's a story for another time. The problem also is, if you notice, Reed introduced me at the beginning of, the, of, the, of this morning as Rahul, but then just now he said Raul. See, I, don't, I tell people mixed feelings. Sometimes I say Raul, sometimes I say Rahul. I don't even know how to pronounce my own name. See, I grew up in Miami, right? And growing up in Miami, when I was born there and I started telling, people would come up to me and say, Como te llama? How do you say your name is what they would say. And I would say Rahul, and I would get a stare. I'd be like, no, no, okay. Rahul. Okay? Let me try this again. Rahul. No. I'm oh, sorry, what? No, I know how to say my own name. No, they'd be like, no, 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 no. Es Raul. I'm like, no, Rahul. Raul. And I would go back and forth constantly because in Miami, that's how you say Rahul. You say Raul. That's how you know, that's how you grew up. And so I started not wanting to create conflict. And so I would just say Raul all the time. So growing up, the only person who pronounced my name correctly was my mom, and it was only when I was in trouble. Rahul! Mom, I know you're watching. I ran whenever you said it that way. Oh my gosh. And so for me, now with coffee shops, I just, I don't even try anymore. Now I'm like, they're like, what's your name? Bob, (laughs) Joe, Tim, all right? One time, I got really tired of spelling my name, and the, the, (laughs) feel bad, the barista goes, "Uh, what's the name for the order? And I go, I'm Batman. And they're like, seriously? I was like, yeah, that's my secret identity in case you were wondering. I'm Batman. 
See, our names, they're significant to us, aren't they? Our names are something that identifies us, that determines who we are. And we love walking to a room and saying and hearing, hey, Raul. And I'm like, yo, what up? I know that was for me, right? We know that. Dale Carnegie puts it this way. He says, a person's name is to that person the sweetest, most important sound in any language. Don't you love hearing your name? Don't you love when people say your name and they're excited to see you? But what about, what do people think about when they think about your name? What are the things that come to mind when they hear your name? See, for me, there's certain qualities that I would love for people to hear when they hear my name. Here's some of them. I would love to people, for people to hear that he's a great dad to his four kids. I would love people to think about that I'm a great husband to my wife, to my wife Annie, that I'm, a, I'm someone who serves and loves people. You're like, you're a pastor. You're supposed to do that. Ask anyone growing up. I, that, that was me. I, love, I wanted people to know me as someone who serves and loves people. Uh, a person who is a great leader. I want people to look at me and say, he knows how to run a staff. He knows how to run a church. He knows what he's doing. Uh, someone who's a great follower of Jesus. I want to be known as someone who has great faith because of what I've been through and what God has brought me through, including a hurricane where I lost everything. But the biggest thing that I really want people to know me as is this. I'm Batman, in case you were wondering. So for me, that, that's for you. What do you want people to think about? Is it something on this list? Do you want to be known as a great dad? Maybe a great mom, a great husband, a great wife? Maybe it's someone you want to be known as a great leader, someone who sees you as, oh, I want to be like them one day. Maybe it's career specific. You want to be a boss, a great boss, a great CEO, uh, maybe a great accountant, a great manager. Maybe you want to be the best salesperson in the biz. Maybe you want to be a great travel agent, a teacher, a principal, a doctor, a technician, an influencer, a marketer. Uh, maybe you want to be the best plumber everyone knows. How do you want to be known? And what do you do to become known that way? What's, that's a tension that I feel constantly. I don't know if you feel that, but how do you become, how do you get people to say those things about you? Well, obviously there's the work you put in, right? You're like, I'm gonna work hard. I'm gonna be disciplined. I'm gonna put my 10,000 hours in. I'm gonna do what it takes. I'm gonna listen to podcasts, read books. Uh, I'm gonna listen to talks. I'm gonna become the person who I want people to say that what I want people to say about me. But then here's the problem. You get to a wall, don't you? You get to a stopping point and you're like, man, how do I, how do I get past this? How, where do I go? And we get to this point where, all, where, we, where, where we all realize we need this one thing and it's help. We all need help, right? And if you look at athletes, Olympians right now, CEOs, people who have done and accomplished great things, there's something in common when you dissect every area of their life. You see, I love this podcast, How I Built This. Have you, heard, have you guys heard about that podcast? It teaches you how people built amazing organizations or became great. And inevitably, they would get to this one point where they said, I didn't know what to do next. I didn't know what to do next for my life, for my company, uh, for my family. And they said, I needed help. And that's when a guide stepped in, someone to help them, a person to help them. And that's what this series is all about, right? Reed talked about it last week. And he said, life is a group project. We need people around us to, all, to become the person we want to become. We need people around us to, to accomplish the great things we want to accomplish. And so what I want us to think about today is this statement. We all need somebodies to become the somebody we want to become. We all need somebodies to become the somebody we want to become. Maybe it was on that list. Maybe it was uh, another list. Maybe it's something else that I didn't mention. 
But we need people, we need relationships and people around us to become who we want to become. So today, for the rest of our time, that's what I wanna look at. I wanna look at specifically two relationships because I believe there are two specific relationships. If you have these in your life, it'll help you who become who you want to become, but it'll also help you become who God has called you to be. And to do that, we're gonna look at these two people in the New Testament, Paul and Timothy. And if you grew up in church, you might've heard about them. You might've heard about Paul. You might, maybe Timothy's a little more obscure, but Paul, most of us know him as his story, his amazing uh, Damascus Road story, where he started off as Saul of Tarsus, right? Saul, this guy who grew up under some of the great rabbis of his time. He learned so much and he learned all about the Hebrew law that he became a Pharisee, one of the kind of keepers of the Hebrew law of the time. But he became such a religious zealot that he started hearing about this thing called the way, which is what early Christianity was called, early followers of Jesus. And the way it start, kind of went against what Paul was wanting or Saul at the time. And so he started hunting them down, persecuting Christians and killing them. So one day he's on his way to Damascus, right? And he's like, oh, I can't wait to go kill some Christians. I don't know why I'm saying that with a smile on my face, but he was just on the way to do that. And he has this encounter with Jesus Christ, God's son that completely flips the script for him, makes him do a 180. He turns from killing Christians to now he's telling people to become Christians. How crazy is that? You gotta go read that. It's in the book of Acts. You gotta read it. It's amazing. And through this whole process, now that he's got this new life, God brings all these people into his life. People like Barnabas, people like Timothy, who we'll talk about, people like Lydia, like, like Peter, like uh, Luke, who help him become the person that we know him today. Because you see, Paul, after that, he became the single most person who helped proliferate the gospel, the good news about Jesus, the message that God sent Jesus, his only son, to die for us, to die for our sins so we can have a relationship with our heavenly father and so we can know that God is for us now and for all eternity. And if we believe in that, you've heard Andy Stanley talk about that. You've heard Reed talk about that. If we believe in that, you'll have a relationship with your heavenly father now and forever. And so if you haven't done that, man, I'm gonna encourage you to do that. But Paul did that. He took that message so much so and proliferated it and expanded it so much that we have it today. And because of him, he unified the early church. Because of him, we have majority of the New Testament and we have formally defined our Christian beliefs. It's phenomenal what Paul has done. So Paul, he starts spreading this message, right? And he gets to this point where he's like, I need some help. And that's when Timothy comes into play. And some of you might've been named after Timothy. I don't know if you're in here, but you've named after Timothy. This is the guy we're talking about. Maybe you didn't know this, but here's where it comes into play on this verse in Acts. Paul went first to Derby and then to Lystra where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer but his father was a Greek. Now, listen to this. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. He had a great name. People knew who Timothy was. People respected Timothy. And so because of that, Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. And this relationship, this bond forms, this Paul-Timothy relationship, this mentor-apprentice relationship, where Paul starts taking Timothy on his journeys to go spread the gospel. They go and plant churches together. They go and lead believers and encourage them and continually help pastor them. So much so that Timothy starts absorbing all this, right? This was the reason Paul sent him, uh, Paul took him with him. And so Timothy starts learning this, that at one time he learned so much that when Paul couldn't go anymore to churches, he sent Timothy. And you know what happened when he got to those churches? He was this young lad, like, they're like, I don't know. 
But he said, but Paul would write a letter and say, this is Timothy who my protege is. And what would happen is they would take him in and say, yes, because of Paul, because of the name of Paul, we now trust you, Timothy. And this is the relationship. This is the relational dynamic. These two people that I believe if you implement this into your life, you're going to win at life. You're going to get better and you're going to be all who God has called you to be. And so let's talk about Paul. Paul is the first relationship I believe we all need in our life. This is a mentor figure, right? This is someone who is pouring into you, who's taking the time to uh, spend with you, to invest in you, and who's one step or kind of one season ahead of you. You know what I'm talking about? That person who you look at and you're like, I want that. I want to be like them when I grow up. I want what they have. Maybe it's someone in your life, you look at them and you're like, I want their marriage. Man, the way they love each other I want to have that love that me and, my, me and my spouse will have. Or maybe it's their great parents. You're like, man, their, parent, their kids are alive. Yes, they're feeding them, but they're also a little more intentional with them. I would love to parent the way they parent. Maybe it's in your job. You see somebody with that office, that corner office covered in glass and all those snacks. Mm. And you're like, I want what they have. I want that. How did they get that? Or maybe they're a great leader. And you're like, I want to learn how they developed a great staff or a great staff culture. If you're a follower of Jesus in this room, maybe you look at someone and you see them as a man or woman of God. Someone you're like, I want to pray like they pray. I want to know scripture like they know scripture. Or even I want to have a great faith. Man, what they're going through right now, I don't know how they're making it through, but they keep telling me about this guy named Jesus and they keep trusting in him and he's the way getting through. I want to have that peace or that joy that goes beyond all understanding like they do. See, we need a guide like those in our life. We need those people in our life. And even as I'm talking, are names coming up that you can think about about these people in your life? Yeah, they might already be involved in you. You might know them. They might be neighbors. They might be coworkers. They might be friends. And they might be other parents you look up to. And see, here's the deal. Whenever I talk about this, a lot of people are like, ah, yeah, Raul, that's great. I know those people. I can't ask them. They're they're too busy. They're never going to want to spend time with me. See, I used to think that. I used to be that guy, I'd be like, man, I want to learn from them, but there's no way they would ever spend time with me. And then I would start sending emails and hope for a response. In fact, this is so cool. This happened a couple weeks ago. See, I recently became the lead pastor. I don't know what I'm doing. I've never been a lead pastor before. I was like, what the heck, yo? So like, I was like, let me find some other lead pastors who have been through a transition and, and can help me. So I emailed, this, I emailed this one guy, never, man, big church, never expecting to hear back from him. A uh, couple days go by, nothing. Then a week goes by and I hear back from him. And he's like, yeah, let's get coffee. And I was like, oh, okay, sweet. Like I geeked out a little bit, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I was like, that's awesome. So I get my notebook, right? I get my notebook, I get my pen. I show up to First Watch in Alpharetta and, and, and I sit down and I'm waiting on him and I have questions already written. He sits down and I don't even introduce myself. I just start drilling questions. They're like, okay, what did, you, what did you do in this? What? I was just so hungry. I just wanted to become better. I wanted to be like him when I grew up, you know? And it's like, I just kept asking questions. And y'all, I took pages on pages of notes and it helped me so much be confident in who I am now and be confident to step into this new role I have. See, that's all it takes. It's not some like walk up to someone or send them a text and be like, oh, theist thou is wisest sage of the land. Please mentor me. No, it's not. Don't do that. That's weird. All right. Like that would make me run away. Um, Don't ask anyone to mentor you. That's intimidating, isn't it? Ask them to coffee, ask them to lunch and say, Hey, can I just pick your brain for a little bit? 
can I just spend some time with you? I just want to learn what you've learned because I believe it can help me. And God, you'll, you'll be surprised what God will do through that ask, that small ask, and amazing things will happen. See, for me, uh, I got a, there's a couple of mentors in my life throughout the years, and I can name them for you. And some of them actually are in this church right now, like Jonna, Stephen, Gary, there's a, Billy. There's a bunch of them even right now. So you don't need just one. But there's one I wanna, in particular I want to tell you about. His name's Don. So after I graduated from Florida State, I entered, go Knowles, yeah, right? I interned at a church and then went to seminary in New Orleans. And I was a waiter while I was in seminary there uh, at this restaurant called Houston's. Anybody eaten there before Houston's? Man, their Hawaiian ribeye, mm, gosh, I'm having a spiritual moment right now. And so like, I, I could eat there every day and I, and I worked there. That means it's a good restaurant, you know what I'm saying? And so as I was there, I started, uh, I saw Don, he was the general manager. He would expedite food, he would run our staff, stone cold face, never smiled, but was very efficient. I didn't feel like I could ever talk to him. You know, he's one of those people. You're like, I work with you, but uh, you scare me. And so I learned so much uh, from him just watching him. But as I started becoming a better and better server and moving up in the ranks, I became a top tiered server where I could count money after my shift in the office with him. That wasn't a flex. It's part of the story. Okay, it was a little flex. And so I spent time with him in the office and he would just ask me questions. He initiated and he would say, Raul, tell me what seminary is. Okay, you talk about the Bible. You're learning to speak about the Bible. What's a pastor? Like he, did, he would learn about me. And then in turn, I would take the opportunity and ask him, okay, when you were dealing with that, that customer, why did you say it that way? Why did you defend uh, that staff, that waitress? Why did you expedite the food that way and handle that problem that way? And here's what I learned from Dawn. I learned how to, to create a staff that has a culture of excellence, to develop a team that wants to do things excellent and to serve people well. And I learned so much from him just by spending time and asking him questions to someone I never thought I would have access to. Here's the cool thing. He didn't just teach me how to run a good restaurant. That I, and I use those principles to, to run a church, I know. If you ask me later, I can tell you what those are. It's kind of weird, but it works. But for him, I also learned how to care for people. See, one time, Annie and I went out to dinner for a date night and he and his wife were sitting across from us. So we went over and we mingled with him. We're like, hey, how's it going? Then we went to our table. They left, they were done. Annie and I ate, had a great night. And when we asked the waiter for the bill, the waiter came up and guess what they said? It's covered. And you know who covered it? Dawn. And here's what I learned. And I'm not advocating that you pay for all your employees' meals every time they go out to eat. You will not be in business anymore, all right? But what I am telling you is Don didn't just, I learned from Don not to just care for people at work. I learned that people are not commodities and that people have lives and there's things going on that you can take care of them. And I, and I still use that principle even today. And so for you, who knows who could that be? That could be someone at work where you can find a Paul to pour into you. That could be here at church. If you, once you start getting more involved at church, you'll start hearing names of people crop up and you're like, oh man, I wanna get with them. If you're not sure where to start, We've got mentoring groups starting in the fall and we've got this really cool thing called Renew. And this is gonna sound like a commercial, but I'm a Renew mentor and I really believe in this program where you get paired with a mentor who's one step ahead of you, one season ahead of you. And they go through this curriculum that helps you overcome what you've dealt with in your past or even what you're trying to overcome right now. It is super helpful, highly recommend it. Okay, so we've got Paul. Now I'm gonna flip the script. We've got our mentor who's one step ahead of you. Now we're gonna move to a Timothy. This is someone you take the time to pour back into. So a Paul's pouring into you, but a Timothy, oh, it smells so good. A Timothy is someone 
pouring back into you. Someone who's, you're one step ahead. Someone who, you're one season ahead. Doesn't have to be a young, old thing for either of these relationships, but someone you can pour into. Now, some of you have already tuned me out. Every time I talk about this, and I truly believe in this, but every time I talk about this, people are like, there's no way, Raul. I don't have the time. I don't have the knowledge to do this. There is no way that this can be a part of my life. I'm just trying to survive, especially after this last year. I'm trying to develop my career. I'm trying to keep my kids alive. I'm trying to keep my dog alive. I'm just trying to make these things happen. And you're asking me to take the time to pour into someone else? Yeah, because here's what I believe. If you wanna become the person you wanna become or be known for, and you wanna be all who God has called you to be, you need both these relationships, specifically this one. And here's what I'm gonna tell you. You, you are smarter than you th- think you are, and you know more than you think you know. You know why I know that? Because you have a past. You've been through life. You've been through so many things in your life that, you can, that, that God can use to help other people. See, you've been through pain. You've been through tragedy. You've been through hurt, and you've been through loss. And when you look at your past, you look at it, and you might be start tearing up. You might say, man, I can't believe I went through that. I wish I hadn't gone through that. But what if I could tell you that God can turn your past into purpose, that God can turn your pain into joy? And here's what I mean by that. What you've been through, you've now been through it. You've overcome it. You made it through. You've, you've conquered that mountain or you've, you've, you've been to a place that some people haven't and actually might be going through right now. So what if you took the time to find a Timothy based on something you've been through and you notice what's going on in their life and you're like, oh my gosh, I've been through that. I can walk with you through this. Let me give you some examples. Maybe you've been through a divorce. Whew, that's hard, isn't it? It's mentally and physically exhausting. What if you hear about someone at work or here at church that's going through a divorce and you can walk with them through it and you can help guide them through it? Maybe it's cancer. Maybe you're in remission or you're on the tail end of it and you've been through chemo and you know what to eat, what not to eat, what to do, how much force it takes and energy it takes. And you can help them and say, listen, this is what it's gonna be like. I can help you be ready. It makes me think of my mom. Uh, so I grew up uh, with a single parent. My dad died when I was young and all my family was in India because I'm Indian. Uh, and so that's why my name is Rahul with an H. Um, and so, uh, just in case you were wondering, and so... My mom didn't know what to do. She didn't know how to balance a checkbook. She didn't know how to do anything. And she didn't have support. She had some friends and family, but not a lot. And she figured it out. She made it through. But after she made it through, she said, you know what? I don't want other single moms to have to struggle like I did. So she started a single moms group in our church. And y'all, this group has way too much fun. My goodness. I'm like, mom, is this a Bible study or is this a fun group? She's like, yes. And this, this is a group that they study the Bible together, but they go on vacations together. They go to the beach together. They go out to eat together. And now they have a community that can walk together because my mom is taking the time to be a Paul and to pour into Timothy's. And now she's continuing. Now she's done with single moms and she's moved on to young single women, just walking with them and helping them. You can do that too. And you're like, Raul, <laughs> no, there's no way. I can't do that. Man, there's no way. I was a turd in high school. There is no way I can help high schoolers. Yeah, you can. What if you helped high schoolers not be turds now? I know. Sorry, Andy. I just said turd in a message. Um, but yeah, what, what, what if you did that? What if you helped them not make the same mistakes that you made in high school or college or in your young 20s? 
and you help them not live with regret, the same regret you have now. And you, God turns your past into purpose. He turns your mess ups into ways to help people move forward and not mess up like you did. See, you can be that person for someone. That's why we offer a chance for you to pour into the next generation here. That's why we say there's a space for you in family ministries all the way from high schoolers down to preschoolers. It makes me think about uh, a friend of mine who serves as an inside out leader, our high school ministry over at Hamilton Mill. Um, this past week, all our high school students from all our campuses were together at Daytona at summer camp. That was crazy and amazing all at the same time. And I texted him because I knew he was worried. See, he didn't want to step into this role. He's like, there's no way I can lead freshmen, boys. I'm much older. I don't know how they talk. I don't know what bussing or whip whip means. Like, I don't know this stuff, right? And, and, but he's like, you know what? I feel like God's telling me to do it. So he stepped into the role. I texted him and said, how's it going this week? And you know what he said? <sighs> Raul, I'm so thankful I got to invest in these young men. You know why? Because I have learned so much about my heavenly father. I'm sorry, you learned about your heavenly father? He's like, yes, I learned more about my heavenly father from these young punks is what he called them. <laughs> and here's why I believe you, you need this in your life. That's what happens. When you start pouring your life out into other people, you start becoming the person you want them to become. It's amazing what God does in your heart. See, for me, I always wanted Timothy because my heart gets softened. I become, I'm so prideful. I become less self-centered when I invest in other people. And here's the other thing. I become a better uh, leader. I gain more wisdom. I understand what people are going through so I know how to lead them well. It is amazing what God does in your heart. So for you, maybe it's someone at work. Maybe you notice a 25-year-old who's burning a candle at both ends and you know where that leads to the heartbreak, to the mess ups, to maybe the falling out of a family, you know where that goes. So what if, you, what if you said, hey, how are you doing? You got time for lunch this week? You got time for coffee this week? I'd love to just catch up. And you sit down and you say, hey, how are you doing? How are you doing really? And you pour into them and just listen. You just ask questions. Maybe it's you want to be, maybe it's someone in your home. Maybe it's your kids. You're like, yeah, they're surviving and I want to help them not just survive. I want to help them thrive. So maybe you want to be more intentional. Annie and I, we try and do that. We try and do a family devotional at least once a week. Uh, that doesn't always happen, but we try and do it at least once a week. And we try and sit down for dinner a couple times a week at the table without devices. That's, oh, that's hard. Um, but you can do it. Maybe it's um, another mom and who's just had a newborn and you're sitting across at the coffee shop, sitting with them, and you put your hand on her hand, and you say, hey, I know you haven't showered in a week. I know you've got milk stains on your, all over your shirt, and there is clothes everywhere, and the laundry hasn't been done. It's okay. You're going to make it through. This is normal. Maybe if you're a grandparent, and instead of just feeding your grandkids ice cream for breakfast, you'd be a little more intentional for them. Please don't do that. Um, and maybe you're a little more intentional with them, and you teach them truths that you've been taught. See, all of us have a place to do this. All of us can, can, can really help other people. If you're a small business owner what, and, you, and you're successful, what if you help someone who's just starting a business or becoming an entrepreneur and walking with them? It's, so, it's much easier than you think. Tony Dungy is a, a guy I love. He's one of the most famous NFL coaches, really respected because of all the athletes he mentored. And here's what he says about this. He says, 
A mentor leader is someone who consistently adds value to others' lives in order to make their life better. That's all it is. You're just one step ahead and your goal is to help them make their life better. And ultimately, the goal is what Paul did with Timothy, where Paul, in his second letter to Timothy, wrote this. He said, and the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. See, that's all it is. You're taking the truths that you've been taught because there's nothing new under the sun that you've been taught and you're just passing it along. And here's the cool thing. And they'll take it and pass it to others. And you end up leaving an incredible legacy and you also become the person you want to be known for and the person God has called you to be. And this is why I believe everyone needs a Paul who's a mentor in their life and an apprentice, a Timothy, who you can pour back into. Guys, if you do this, I guarantee it, you're gonna become the person you wanna become. You're gonna feel like you're winning at life and God's gonna use you to accomplish a great and mighty work. See, the reason I'm so passionate about this is because it's a little selfish. I told you I'm a little prideful. I want people to remember my name, Rahul. I'm gonna say it again, Rahul. I want people to remember my name so that when I get to heaven, I take as many people as possible with me and I hear from my heavenly father, well done, good and faithful servant. Now I know God loves me, he's for me. I can never earn his love, it's already been given to me. But I think it would be so cool that when I get to heaven, I hear well done, good and faithful servant. And if you're a Jesus follower in here, don't you wanna hear that too? By the time you spent on this earth, you didn't think about just yourself. You thought about other people. The other reason why I'm so passionate about this is because statistically speaking, I should not be here. As a minority and growing up without a dad, I should either be dead or in jail. And if it weren't for the people in my life who took the time, like Don, like Larry, like Stephen, like Jonna, like Gary, like Billy, like Rudy, like Betsy, like Maury, like Jason, like Josh, like Jacob. These people, my Pauls and my Timothys, if it weren't for them, they wouldn't have shaped me to become the person I am today where you get to hear this. And you know what? This is nothing new. I'm just telling you what they taught me and you're gonna take it and you're gonna teach others their legacy, my legacy, and your legacy is gonna continue on. So who's, so who's pouring into you is the first question I want you to, to leave with. Who's pouring into you? And who are you pouring back into? Who are you pouring into? Who are the people in your life that you have this relationship with? And you need both, not just one or the other, because what happens if you start pouring, just getting poured into? What's gonna happen? It's gonna make a mess. I did it in rehearsal and there was literally a mess, so I didn't, I'm not gonna do it now. <laughs> it's gonna make a mess. And you're gonna become self-centered, so focused on yourself, and dare I say, arrogant a little bit, where you won't take the time to mentor other people. And if you just do nothing but pour yourself out, you're gonna always be running on empty, and you're gonna get burnt out real fast. And obviously you need God to constantly be pouring into you, you need to be spending time with God, but that's why he also put people in our life. So we can pour into others and poured, be poured back into as well. I, I believe it. I truly believe that if you do this, you will experience a different kind of life that a lot of people don't ever get to experience. You get a different perspective that most people don't. 
Here's the question I really wanna leave you with. Before you leave today or sometime today, here's the question I want you to answer to yourself. Who do I need to ask the coffee? Who's the person today I need to text or email or call and say, hey, what's your schedule look like this week? I'd love to pick your brain on some things. Or, hey, do you have time this week to catch up? I'd just love to sit down and see how you're doing. Or maybe, actually maybe, it's a text to sit down across from the person and say, thank you. Because of you, I am who I am today. Because of you, I've become the person that I wanted to become and who God has called to me to be because of your investment. So who is pouring into you and who are you pouring back into? Let's be for Gwinnett and let's be for others. Let me pray for us. God, you are so good that you choose to use us and you allow people to be a part of our lives and that we don't have to be hermits, we don't have to be alone, but you are with us and you allow us to pour into other people through our life experiences, through what we've been through. And because of that, we become better. We become better followers of you. We become better leaders, better parents, better spouses, better at our career because of this principle that you gave us. So Father, help us be for Gwinnett and for others everywhere we go. Help us figure out this week who we need to go to coffee with, who we need to spend a meal with. Thank you for sending Jesus. It's because of him we do all this. And in his mighty name we pray, amen.